Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Right Integrity Press. Hi, this is Publishing Lane, and I am Margie Lane Klubine. I'm here again with freelance editor and multi-published author, Faye Lamb. Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well tonight. I am so glad you're listening in. As my favorite freelance editor and I discuss another part of our novel skeleton, um, these parts are like they're, little, they're like writing bones, the structure that you build your story on. And even if you don't consciously go through all of these parts or these little bones, you likely still included all of them in an arrangement much like the one we've been discussing. Wouldn't you agree with that, Faye? I do, Margie. Um, Seat of the Pants authors, I want to share with you what I've discovered during these past shows. I'm not as separated from structure as I thought I was. You might have guessed that I'm not the brightest light bulb in the package, and when Margie gets technical on me, I'm lost. <laughs> and I've paid attention, and I have scrutinized my methods, and I have, and I've truly been writing, I've been editing and writing my soon-to-be-released novel, Delilah, and it's been by the seat of my pants, yet Margie is absolutely, she's absolutely correct. My structure is there. So if your story isn't structured, you may need to go back and listen to the previous discussions that Margie and I've had to see what you're not doing with your, with the elements of story. All stories have structure. They have to have it simply because of two major elements within your story. And those elements cannot be dismissed. One is plot. It's the vehicle driving your story. And the second is conflict. And that's the fuel for your vehicle. Your plot vehicle is driving in one general direction, but the gasoline fueling the car keeps it going. Contrived conflict, it, it, it Con contrived conflict versus conflict that builds during the story is a very good indication that your novel needs structure. So these things that Margie and I are talking about, Seat of the Pants writer is there for you as well. Well, I am not a Seat of the Pants writer in any way, shape, or form, not even a little bit. But my rival writing buddies, I have a couple of writing buddies, and they are seat of the pants authors and they shared at times when they've had trouble in the midst of their stories one gal emailed me when she painted herself into a corner and i mean literally painted her character into a corner she'd added several twists right about the midpoint of her story and couldn't figure out how to get back on track now these writing bones that we're talking about in our novel skeleton came to be came to be um partly because of the situation like this one um, another friend had trouble when her character stopped, quote, speaking to her, unquote. Um, you know, we have voices in our head sometimes, and our, our characters will share 
their stories with us. Now, I'm not talking freaky stuff and psychological stuff, but that really is how the stories come to be, is the story is in your head, and a lot of times it's your characters that are showing you the story. And in this case, my friend, her character had just gone silent. And this program, for a lack of a better word, can help in that situation as well. Now, I know pantsers won't normally set up an outline or make a full plan. In fact, one of my pantsing buddies says if she tries to do that, the story is just over. That, that's true. I've written myself into several corners, and I've had my character so mad at me. In one case, the dangerous villain was mad at me because he told me he wouldn't be so stupid as to leave the types of clues I concocted. So uh, I, had, <laughs> I yeah. had to pull back from the formality of structure. That word sucks out the creativity in me. When I hear structure, I don't want anything to do with it, but I need it. Letting the structure seep into your writing, it's not a bad thing. So I try not to let that creative side of my brain know what I'm doing with the other side <laughs> of my brain because it just, they'll be at war with each other. And I've talked in other episodes that, where we've discussed the elements of writing about James Scott Bell's lock system. Right. And you can find that in his wonderful books on the subject of writing. So I'm not going to repeat that here. But I began to think about other ways that I, as a seat of the pants writer, keep that creativity going. And one way is journaling. A series of quick vignettes starts the ball, the ball rolling. Just jot them down in a journal. With structure in mind, you can still go all over the place in your journal. You can write a key scene here, another one here. They can be all out of order. But when you sit down at the computer, that's when you structure them. Those scenes will be bridged with scenes you haven't written. And before you know it, you'll have a first draft. But again, wow. the key thing is to understand that the structure of a novel is important and it will keep your eye on the prize. The orderly side of your brain may have to hide the truth from the creative side, but you can do it. I, but I'm when challenging the, story... the pants authors. Yeah, oh, that is an awesome challenge. And I will say, though, you know, going back to my friend who had her story, had all these twists, when the story twists a character into a corner or the character just refuses to speak up and go forward, these writing bones can actually help sort out authors where you are. Even if you don't go forward with the planning, you can look back and see where you've been by placing your story into these writing, into the skeleton, this novel skeleton. By seeing where you've been, you can just pick up the next bone. You don't have to plan it all out. Just take the next scene of the next section and be able to pick up your spot without having to, frankly, read through your entire story to get back into it. Um, yep. Uh, and then and then we've got planners. Okay, yeah, I know. I am. I am such a planner. I have lists all over my house. I have three different calendars. I just don't even go there. The, no, the novel schedule, uh, the novel skeleton to me is just a natural. One step at a time, and the story just folds together like the perfect jigsaw puzzle. I have to love that. Oh, I absolutely love how it goes together. So let's take a look at where we've been so far. 
we are in the process of analyzing three popular movies so that you can see the skeleton parts. Now, seriously, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tell you. A couple of years ago, I got so stinking excited about this as I was putting it together. It was about two years ago, and I was starting to write novel after novel after novel using these different kinds of outlines and I absolutely love them and I sat down and I started watching um, the Avenger movies and I one after the other and I started placing all of the pieces of the Avenger movies into these novel bones into these this the skeleton and I had so much fun doing it because I'm like oh my gosh it really does work they're all there all these bones are there so even though we're looking at movies the same is true for any novel that you write. It's just easier to see it in movies, especially movies that are really popular that likely you have seen. So we are um, we're analyzing these movies. We want to show the different skeleton parts and the sections that we find in each one of them. And so you'll see them. Now, sometimes they're not exactly in the very same order, but they're darn close. All of the novel bones are in the same order. It's just the sections that sometimes will move around within each little bone. Um, first movie that we're looking at is Star Wars A New Hope. That's the very first Star Wars. Now I'm not talking about episode one. I'm talking about the good ones. Ooh, I just let that slip. Um, I'm talking about episode four and this is the one with Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia when they were all young and cute. And we all saw it in the 70s and we still watch it today every time we get a chance to. Or at least I do. And then the second movie is The Princess Bride. And the third movie is Beauty and the Beast. And those are the ones that we're examining. So I hope you're familiar with at least one of these. And if you aren't, oh, please go watch Star Wars. You just need to. So, Faye, why don't you catch us all up? Okay. Our first bone was the initiation. In this section, the author must introduce the main characters. Those are the ones, uh, particularly those who will tell the story from their perspective, the hero, heroine, or just the main character. In addition to simple introductions, the characters also must give hints of their values, their goals, and even their fears. And if yeah. your first bone also shares something that they believe that is a false belief, You've got a full and rich character with which to work. Remember, your characters don't have to know everything. They really shouldn't. They have to be learning. right. So when you do that, congratulations, because you do have that rich character work. Also, in this first section, the plot problem should come up. Your story should have a problem at the beginning that is finally fully solved at the end. If not fully revealed, the conflict should start almost right away. Without conflict, there's no tension. Without tension, your readers will have little reason to keep turning those pages. So the initiation mm -hmm. part will have sections for your introduction, a reaction to that introduction, and an ignition at the end of that part. The ignition is sometimes called an inciting incident. So with most of the bone sections, they can be arranged according to the genre. Uh, for instance, a romance or historical fiction might not show the ignition until all the important characters have been introduced. But in an adventure or a suspense, the ignition can begin with the first word, sprinkling the details of the main character as the action ensues. And this section, regardless of when the ignition occurs, ends with what we call an open door. 
this is the door of no return. If the main character doesn't step through the door, the story is not likely over. It's likely over at that point. I'm sorry. If they don't, if the character can't step through a door, a door that slams shut behind them so that they can't, they can't move back to a safety zone back, and have right. to keep going forward, then you're not really doing conflict the way you should. You need that conflict to keep building throughout the story. And then the next part of the structure, um, the next part of our skeleton is a plan. Um, once the main character has chosen the door and they do have to step through the door like what Faye was saying, he or she has to decide what to do next. Sometimes this decision doesn't seem to make just a real huge difference. For instance, when Belle attempts to find her father, it wasn't that big a deal at first. It just became a big deal. Other times, the plan can be life-altering, like when Buttercup agrees to marry the prince since Wesley has been reported dead. I'm talking about Beauty and the Beast, of course, at first, and then um, The Princess Bride was the second example. This section is going to include a twist, and there are a couple of twists in your, in your um, story, and so this one is just a first twist, and a twist is um, something that is unexpected, like in the case of Buttercup's kidnapping and the introduction of new characters there. That's a twist that was not expected. Um, the twist will always have some kind of an effect. For instance, Obi-Wan Kenobi pulls out his lightsaber and cuts off the hand of an attacker. It is the first time Luke has ever seen a lightsaber. Saber and he is totally intrigued with it. He's drawn to it. And as a result, of course, he wants to be just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. As to that, everything you do in your story, by the way, has to move your plot forward. If it is not moving your plot forward, if you have seen, seen a, a scene of description or long sections of flashback, oh, it halts your forward motion. You need to consider cutting them entirely. In fact, I was told you kill your darlings. Even if you love the poetic entourage, or what, entourage of this beautiful description, if it's pages long, honey, slice and dice because it does not need to be there. It will totally stop your story unless you're writing a book of poetry or writing a literary work, which is not genre fiction at all. Um, you're, you're, missing, you're missing the point of that plot, that vehicle, and the, the tension, the conflict, the gas that moves it forward. Even if you have something like a romance or a historical, there has to be plot and there has to be conflict to keep that story moving forward. Think of it as a rubber band. If there's not tension in that rubber band, there's no form to it. It's just a little noodle type thing. So you have to keep that tension going throughout the story. And that comes from plot and conflict. Um, sprinkle in description instead of having those long, big old hairy uh, scenes of description or scenes of flashback. Just Take them and cut them into little pieces and sprinkle in short bits of them through your story. A sentence here or a phrase there. I, I tell you, one of the best places to put them is to use them in dialogue as a beat. For instance, um, don't do that. 
she thought back to the way she had burned her hand when she was a child. Please just step away from the oven. Can you hear her saying that and thinking that at the same time? You don't have to have a huge long flashback of how she burned herself. Just a little phrase as a beat for her conversation with someone is all you need to give us the entire story. Um, Okay, in this section, I'm going to finish with this. In this section, through the twist and its effect, a deeper price problem is going to surface. Um, again, provides more conflict, more tension. It continues to move the plot forward and deepens it. And it rolls into a minor crisis of a sort. This writing bone will include both a, both a more in-depth discussion of the main character's goal and a subplot. In Beauty and the Beast, for instance, it's the subplot of Gaston's manipulation of Belle's father in an attempt to accomplish his goal of marrying Belle. And this part also has a twist connection or section with its effect. It's important to follow the twist with the effect of the twist. The quickest way to paint yourself into a corner is to follow one twist with another directly without giving any reaction to the first twist. Face your unexpected twists so that they will remain unexpected. At the, point, at the point of crisis, this part will end with either a chill, something bad, or a thrill, something good. This depends on the genre and the tone of the story. Both Beauty and the Beast and The Princess Bride ended this section with a thrill. Star Wars ended it with the destruction of the planet of Alderaan. Which is definitely a chill. And it brings yes. us to last month's writing bone. This fourth part was the reflection that leads to the halfway point of our book. We're halfway through the book. The first section in this particular skeleton part will always revisit the goal of the main character. Um, this isn't a plot point rundown like we mentioned last month. It's just a reminder of the main point of the book. In this case, Buttercup is released from her kidnappers by the Dread Pirate, but she starts fighting the Dread Pirate. She starts fighting him with everything she's worth because she loves Wesley and she's not going to be going with this Dread Pirate. And then she realizes that it's Wesley. The section doesn't last very long, but it, it makes the it made it made Buttercup recognize back to her first goal. She wants to live happily ever after with Wesley, and that is her goal of the whole story. Now, like I said, the section doesn't last very long, and at this point in the story, the character needs to go through some mud. The tension needs to be amped up a bit. I've also heard of the description that in a novel, you chase your character up a, up a tree in a storm, and then you throw rocks at her. And this needs to be, we need, we need some, some mudslinging going on. Regardless of the genre, um, there needs to be something amped up just a little bit. The tension, the stomach, your, your stomach as a reader needs to be a little knotted with this particular section. The best way to do that is with a complication. In Star Wars, the heroes were traveling to Alderaan to deliver a message from the princess. And they realize uh, Alderaan is gone. Well, that's a complication. And also, as with a twist, the complication is actually part of 
the plot, the difference between a complication and a twist is the complication is not a surprise. It might be a surprise to the characters, but it's not a surprise to the readers. And it is part of the plot, whereas a twist is not necessarily part of the plot. It's just another rock that's being thrown at the main character. Um, the complication needs a result. Just like with a twist needs an effect, an effect, the complication needs a result. It forces the plot to take a left turn. In this case, with Alderaan, they had to, they were trying to turn around. They didn't end up turning around. The progress still has to move forward, but just in a little bit of a different direction. The main character has to take a brave step. And this is another section of that bone and requires some action of some sort. The bravery aspect of this action depends on the genre. Um, in Star Wars and Princess Bride, there was obvious bravery involved. Um, Star Wars, they end up getting sucked into the Death Star. In The Princess Bride, she starts fighting with Wesley. Uh, it's, it's an obvious situation that is a complication. Um, I take it back. She started fighting with Wesley. That was before, but in this particular section, um, it wasn't her fight with Wesley. It was them having to go into the forest and the, the fire swamp. It was the scary place, and so she actually had to take a step of bravery. Um, but Beauty and and the Beast required action, but not so much bravery. The action in, in Beauty and the Beast was that Beast was gonna, Beauty was going to stay there and try and understand Beast a little bit better. Um, the action will often expose either a virtue or a flaw in the main character. And this is also dependent on the tone of the book. All three of our movies show virtue. Um, for instance, Beast, he was sharing his library with Belle. He even cracked a joke. Uh, this particular, that's just one of the virtues that that was shared in this particular section. This part was, is always going to end with a false apex. Like I said, this is the middle of the book. Um, I was watching Lord of the Rings trilogy the other day. I'm doing that with a Bible study with a bunch of high schoolers and college kids. Oh my gosh, I love those kids. But we were watching Lord of the Rings, not my favorite thing. Okay, I did say that out loud. I just have never been a real Lord of the Rings fan. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy the, t the two towers. I really actually did enjoy the first movie was not really my favorite, but I noticed in both those movies, right smack dab in the middle, the story starts over because it could end at that point and the closing credits could actually start coming down. I'm telling you this novel skeleton is everywhere. And so in this case, this ends, this part always ends with a false apex. And the story could almost end at that point, but not quite. At this point, the main character will usually have a moment when he or she sees the possibility that they believe a lie or sees a possibility that this might be actually the truth that they've never really wanted to face. But for whatever reason, the lie continues to hold him or her. And the story continues with tonight's writing bone. So we're going to go ahead and keep going. And we are in part five, writing bone number five of our um, novel skeleton. Okay. And I'm going to be um, short and sweet on this one. <laughs> so in, in the movies that we're analyzing, we've reached that midway point. So in The Princess Bride, Buttercup and Wesley have successfully made it through the fire swamp. They believe 
they will be okay after all. Keyword, believe. In Beauty and the Beast, they have visited the Paris of Belle's childhood. She decides that she'd rather stay with the Beast and struggle with her painful memories. Okay, what's going to happen next? We'll find out. And in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi has just been killed by Darth Vader. That's okay, really so, a scary point for Luke. Right. And that, and so we have hit the midway point. This is what has just happened. And so this is going to lead to a huge adjustment. And that's what we start out with. The change of plans is our skeleton part tonight. That's the name of our bone tonight. It's a change of plans. And that is exactly what happens in all of these parts. It's not just a complication. This is a huge veer to the right. As with the prior part, this has to begin with a reminder of whether they were going. What is the goal of Luke Skywalker? Well, his kind of changes as the story goes on. But ultimately, at this point, it's to help the rebellion against the Empire. As he's gone through his twists and complication, complications, that goal has become stronger. But with the death of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kenobi, he is suddenly alone in his drive. He is all by himself. He is distraught. And he's got this bossy princess and an untrustworthy criminal flying the ship. And so as you in this particular scene, Luke is sitting by himself and he's mourning the death of his friend and mentor and Layla is trying to comfort him and he's just he's he's stuck there. So it is a a reminder of they still have they still have a universe to save. Yes. In Beauty and the Beast, Maurice has survived Gaston's attempt on his life, and he's accusing him of trying to kill him. But he only has the beggar woman, Agatha, to back him up in that. No one will listen to her, and Lefeu, Gaston's accomplice, lies about the whole thing. This all reflects back on the antagonist's goal. His focus has begun to drive the story, a shift or change of plans. You know, and I love that in Beauty and the Beast because for a while, Gaston's goals drive the story until they all tie up together at the end. And it just becomes, I was going to say a braid, but it's more like a knot when it gets toward the end uh -huh. of it. It just all all uh, tangles together like hair in a, in a car with the windows open. Um, and some of the greatest so novels that you read, they will have subplots that you will not see coming until the end of the novel that they all fold in together. And I think of a movie, I'm gonna mention it, though I would say, I would warn you before you watched it, it's called LA Confidential. There are three uh -huh. separate men and three separate plots. And when they get to the end, you see how they all tie together. It is the neatest oh, story, Wow. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Well, and, and then in Princess Bride comes another huge change of plans. Here the story could have ended happily. They just got out of the fire swamp. They survived. They're together happily ever after. But no, we can't do that. It was only an hour and a half long. The prince, I'm sorry, not even an hour and a half long, 45 minutes long. That's not long enough for a movie. The prince, along with all of his guards, is awaiting Buttercup and Wesley on the other side of the fire swamp.
The reminder of the goal is Buttercup's love for Wesley. She agrees again to marry the prince if he will guarantee Wesley's protection. So we have that reminder of what the goal is. The goal, she's giving it up because she's a sacrificial waif, but the goal is to live happily ever after because she loves Wesley. And so even though she's not going to give happily ever after, she still loves Wesley, so she wants him to be protected. Yes, and that and a twist is going to follow that. And if you remember in Princess Bride, Wesley is thrown into um, jail, which is actually a torture prison. And that's the little twist that we have for the Princess Bride. Right. And then there's a twist in Beauty and the Beast, too. The Beast, actually, as they're starting to get to know one another, there's something there that wasn't there before. The Beast suggests a dance. And he didn't really mean to. He's not really even that much of a fan of dancing anymore. But then once he suggested it, he couldn't take it back. <laughs> and the twist in Star Wars results in a honing beacon that has been placed on the hero's ship. They think they're getting away, but instead they are being tracked directly to the rebel base. And you can just hear the changing musical tone, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that dum, 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 da, dum, dum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every good twist deserves an effect of that twist, just like we've talked about before. If you have a twist, don't follow it with another twist. Follow it with an effect of the twist, because if you keep, throwing one twist after another, you will get yourself tied in a knot. Mm -hmm. um, in Star Wars, Leia actually reveals that she believes they are being tracked. So it's not as big a surprise as it could have been. But her revelation results in an argument with Han Solo. She tells him off, stating that if money is the only thing she loves, then or he loves, then that's all he would receive. And it's enough for him to kind of examine himself. And even though Luke Skywalker is the hero, or at least you think he's the hero at the beginning of this first episode, Han Solo is starting to change a little bit. Also, I mean, Luke Skywalker changes throughout the movie, but Han Solo is now starting to change a little bit. He's examining himself, and his reflection is clearly written all over his face. Um the character is going through even, even only just a small change at this point, but he's going through a change. In The Princess Bride, we learn that not only is Wesley going to the torture chamber or the jail, his death is assured. The prince enjoys torturing others and is particularly looking forward to killing Wesley. But Beauty and the Beast, have it has a touching moment after they dance. How will yeah. we, how, I can't even talk tonight. However, the <laughs> moment was a reminder of Belle's goal of gaining her freedom. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that is exactly what we're talking about. It's the effect of the twist. And mm -hmm. that actually is almost a little twist itself, but it's still an effect of their twist. Had there not been this touching moment with the dance, she would never have gone there. But that section always leads to an action or a decision, and it's a turning point in the story that starts propelling the main character down the huge mountain toward their emotional black moment. In the decision section of the skeleton part, there has been a change that requires an adjustment. In Beauty and the Beast, 
beast actually releases Belle because she's so concerned about her father. He gifts her with the magic mirror so that she could look back. But she chooses to leave and leave him and go help Maurice, her dad. And then in The Princess Bride, Buttercup begins having nightmares about her unfaithful willingness to marry the prince. She's unfaithful. I don't know if you guys remember, but that, that old hag standing in the crowd going, boo, I just love that part. <laughs> um, so Yeah, so Buttercup decides that no matter what, she is going to be faithful to Wesley, and she is not going to marry the prince. Uh, at, absolutely not. She's going to die first. Oh, and yeah. Star, that, yeah. Yeah. And in Star Wars, the team arrives at the rebel base. They discover how they will be able to defeat the giant Death Star, but the leaders of the Empire make a decision of their own. They will destroy the moon that is housing the rebel base as soon as it has the angle to do so. And that's called the amping up of conflict. Oh, yeah. And that was, like we said, that is the action decision section. So all of these mm -hmm. decisions add up to a minor victory. Now, when I say a minor victory, before the main character can plummet into the depths of despair, they have to have a little taste of yeehaw. Yes, I'm from Texas. That's the way it goes. So they have to have a little taste of yeehaw before they start plummeting down the hill into despair. So we have a minor victory, and that's the next little section of this riding bone. The minor victory is very important to keep hope alive in readers. Uh, if things only keep spiraling downward, the story becomes too depressing. Even a dystopian genre story will have some little bump in the road at some point, some little rise in the action that gives a reason to to hope, to give some possibility of something good. In The Princess Bride, the kidnappers, who aren't really all that bad, reunite to find the man who killed Inigo's father. And the view is given extra hope. The viewer, the watcher of the TV show, is given, or the movie, is given extra hope because the man Inigo is looking for is the general of the prince's army. And so there's reason to hope that somehow these two are going to work together to thwart the prince. Now, looking back, if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what's going to happen, but as the reader is reading, as the viewer is watching, this just gives a little bit of hope. These two getting back together, and now they're going to go after the same people that have got Wesley in jail and have taken Buttercup and are going to marry her. Um, there's a reason to think that, ah, just maybe we can put all this back together. Yep. And in Beauty and the Beast, Beast has realized after believing that he could never love or need anyone that he both loves and needs Belle. He realizes the lie that he has believed, but it's too late. He's let her go already. He has sealed his own doom. And that is from that action where he loved her so much, he let her go because she was worried about her father. And in doing that, he, he did. He sealed his fate. And that not only of himself, but of his servants. The victory is the revelation of his love, but it slams him into 
his black moment with the knowledge that Belle doesn't love him and will likely never return for him. Yeah. And at this point, the black moment of the main character can come at any time during this last sec last couple of sections. This is the uh -huh. beast's black moment. It's not the main character's black moment because, you know, remembering the movie, Belle is actually the main character. Um, and it brings us to Star Wars, by the way. Luke has a moment of ta-da because he gets to join the other fighters in their attempt to destroy the Death Star. One of his good friends has become a valued pilot for the Rebel Force. And in front of all the rest of the pilots, he praises Luke, talking about how good he was back on his planet of Tatooine. And it makes Luke feel even better. I mean, he is just, he's on cloud 39 because he's he's so excited to be able to be be uh lifted up in front of just everybody else oh my gosh we are doing awesome we've got like 20 minutes left Faye, and we're almost to the end of this because i gotta tell you this is the end of this writing bone this is the end of this part of our novel skeleton so well, writers i have go ahead Oh, I was gonna, I was going to go back to because as we were talking about this, I keep thinking of my favorite movie um, that I when I teach I use Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and I keep oh, thinking yeah. you're talking about this little victory moment or something. And there's a moment in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof that may seem so little to most people, but when you study the structure of that novel, Cat on the Hot Tin Roof, most people, they think of it because the people are always yelling. They're a Southern family, and there's Big Daddy and Big Mama, and there's uh, Maggie and Brick who are, they're on the outs with their marriage, and they're fighting, and Maggie's trying to save her marriage, and she's desperately clinging to this man who really does love her very much, but he thinks that she's cheated on him with her, with his best friend. I'm telling you all the movies. Oh. And, yes, and that's it's very, there's a lot of conflict. I mean, just a lot of Sounds like it. loud conflict. You have to watch this movie. And there's a moment when she is trying to get Brick, Maggie's trying to get Brick to understand the truth. And he actually goes for her and ends up, he, he's trying to hit her with a crutch. He's got a broken leg and he falls on the floor. And it's this moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, she's trying to tell him, let him think. And the tension is so ratcheted. And what happens in that very black moment? The door to their bedroom swings open and this little girl comes in wearing a little feather um, thing like an old Indian chief and guns. And she's going, woo, 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 woo. And she's shooting these cap guns. And Maggie <laughs> just loses it and screams at her. So the little girl ignores ignores them, and this is a very black moment. And Maggie's sitting on the bed, and Brick is on the floor. And the little girl turns to her uncle Brick, and she goes, "Uncle Brick, why are you on the floor?" And he very calmly tells her, "Little girl, I tried to kill your aunt Maggie." And the camera shifts to Elizabeth Taylor as Maggie, and this laughter that is shared between Brick and Maggie is a glimmer of hope there's something those two share between each other so when we're talking about these victories and this conflict never be afraid to put those little moments of humor or just a humanity of your characters in the scene because it can mean so much 
to your readers and give them a hint that, oh, things could be right. And I don't know, I just kept thinking about that as we talked, and I thought I'd share that. <laughs> oh, I am so glad you shared that. I actually have never, you know, I've never seen Cat in a Hot Tim Ruth all the way through. I've seen parts of it before. And so I'm I'm going to have to go and look at that movie after hearing what you were saying about it. Um, so Bright, listeners, I have, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if writers will watch that movie with an eye toward the seven main elements of story that we've talked about in, in this yes. converse, in conversations before, they will see it so clearly. It is just a, that script, that script writer had to have been a writer because he took that story from the author and he put it on screen and he did it so eloquently and so beautifully that all the writing structure is there. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Listeners, I hope you're getting a lot out of this. When we're all through, I'll tell you, I'll do some screenshots of my Scrivener program and show you how all of these parts and these sections coordinate and how they line up together to make it as easy as possible for you just to pull one and write a scene and pull the next and write a scene or in any order you want. As Faye was talking about, you know, it's, it's always, it's, it's not always right at one scene at a time. You can scrap out a scene that's in your head, Pantsers, and then later put your story together with in-between scenes. And so you're still doing pantsing, but you're able to, to make sure that you do have a structure that's going to carry your story. You wouldn't want your poor story to walk two steps and then fall flat because it doesn't have a foot bone. So make sure that you're that you are giving it the same kind the right kind of um structure that you need, the right kind of skeleton that you need. So I will take some screenshots of my Scrivener program and share it with you later on this year once we hit toward the end of our um novel skeleton. Now this plan can work no matter what the size of the book you're creating. If you're doing a novella, you're going to want to eliminate the subplot. You're going to want to take out at least one of the twists and one of the complications. But the bare, the main sections, the main parts work. Those, these nine parts that we're talking about, these nine bones that we're talking about need to be there. Even in a short story, these nine bones are going to be there. It's just going to be short. They're going to be abbreviated. In that case, the sections are going to be covered in maybe a paragraph or maybe eliminated completely, but the bones of the story are going to remain. Okay, now I need to talk, though, because speaking of short stories, Right Integrity Press has a collection of short stories that we've been building this year. Peggy Cunningham is our missionary in Bolivia, and she has been writing a series of children's picture books sharing information about the Lord and also about holidays, all kinds of holidays. So today is the birthday of Hooray for Holidays, book three. It's birthday today. Happy release day, Peggy. Y'all can learn about Peggy's book. Yeah, I'm telling you. Y'all can learn about her book on the main page of our website, writeintegrity.com. Now, remember when you go and visit writeintegrity.com, it's W-R-I-T-E. I had somebody go to R-I-G-H-T and wonder where we were. Um, we're not there. It's W-R-I-T-E because we write. And writeintegrity.com, um, we do keep that website 
website updated constantly. We have new authors. We have new books coming up. And Peggy's book is right smack dab on the front page. You can see her gorgeous cover. Um, and like I said, this is book three of her series, and it is in the dog days of the summer. And speaking of dog days, oh my gosh, we have had so many 100 days, uh, 100 plus temperature days. I'm like melting. What about you, yeah, Faye? Are you melting? Well, it's hot these days too, but I I know you all are roasting. I, you you're hotter than uh, Florida, yeah. and that's kind of that that surprises me. But I saw in, on the news yesterday that in Chicago they were wetting down one of the bridges because the heat had expanded the concrete. Wow! Yalva. I'd be praying oh for those God. folks, and I will be praying for those folks. I don't think a lot of them have central heat and air that I know of. If they live in it, because they're not really used to it i, I don't know i know in it, new york they don't it's have not all that hot up there most of the time no. yeah yeah no, no i'm, now, I I'm with you i don't in know arkansas. how i would live without air yeah in arkansas my dad my dad lived there and i was up there in 100 degree heat with no air conditioner and i thought i was going to die i would drive by the I, bank by the bank and see the 107 degrees on the sign and just oh melt. my gosh <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I know that part of it is because I'm wimpy and I live in the new millennium, and we actually have or the new the the 2018, and we actually have air conditioning for the last 50 years, and I've been used to air conditioning. I do not know how the poor settlers figured it out, traveling from one <laughs> end of the country to the other end of the country in the middle of the summer without just oh my gosh, excruciating heat. And here yeah. in, I live in North Texas, I am telling you what, we don't usually have our heat hovering around the 100s until like late July and August. Um, and it lasts through September. I mean, our dog days of summer goes into the fall. When most everybody else is starting to have fall, we're still in the dog days of summer. Sometimes it'll even last into the first part of November. I'm not joking. Um, no, but it has started so early this year. I mean, in May, we were getting up into the 100s. We have been in the 90 pluses since mid-May. It's just crazy. And once in a while, we'll have a little thunderstorm come through, but it just isn't enough. I am hoping, okay, I know that the chances are like slim and none, <laughs> but I am so hoping that September might be a bit nicer to us and maybe the 100 degrees will end early since they started early. I mean... No, don't come so. early and leave late. <laughs> come early and leave early. That would just be so much nicer. Well, see, we but in I, Florida, we were a little late getting into summer, and it has hit us with a oh, vengeance. A, but what we are seeing now is the return of the the sea breezes clashing over us. So we're getting oh. wicked thunderstorms, and we I love thunderstorms. Storms oh, and serenity. I, I love am so jealous. I do too. I am so jealous right now. Now, I don't like the kind of thunderstorms where the sky turns green and the meteorologist circles the area around my house and says, okay, this looks like if there's a tornado, this is where it's stirring up. Uh, he did that one time. Freaked me out royally. But normally we don't have that type of thing around here. I mean, we do. We live in the tornado and tornado alley. But most of the time, we just have nice little thunder boomers, and we do have a chance of thunder boomers tomorrow night. As much as I love fireworks, I'd rather have a thunder boomer any stinking day of the week. Yeah. I seriously would. <laughs> so anyway, 
Um, what I wanted to tell you, though, is, you know, if whether September is nicer to us or not, I have a feeling that September is going to be nice to our Right Integrity readers and our listeners. Um, Y'all are going to really want to join our Right Integrity Press newsletter. If you're if you're not already on it, you're going to want to join it. You do not want to miss out the on this excitement. I mean, I know that we share when we're having sales, and we do share when we have new books come out. But especially for September, you don't want to miss the information that's coming down the pipe. And yes, it is coming. So to join our list, all you have to do is just go to our website. Like I said, writeintegrity.com. The very first thing that's going to pop up is an invitation link for you to join our newsletter. So please do that. You can unsubscribe anytime you want to, but at least stay hanging on to us until September. And you'll be happy because it is going to be phenomenal. So, Faith, what is happening in your neck? I, I know. I haven't even told y'all. <laughs> Delilah. 
That is going to be so much fun. That is going to be so much fun. Well, we're going to go ahead. I want to share with you one more thing because we have we have the ability to answer email questions and we've, we've actually gotten some email questions and have not been able to answer those. So I'm going to see if we can't answer one of those now, but I want to tell you first, you can always email your questions to us at publishinglane at gmail.com. And so when I say publishing lane, please remember that it's lane. It's my middle name, L-A-I-N-E. I'm Margie Lane Klubine, publishing lane, L-A-I-N-E at gmail.com. And one of the questions that I've gotten just recently was, it was fairly simple question, but it was, it was totally off the topic of writing. It was more on the topic of publishing and how to figure out who to contact when you're trying to contact an editor. And they were asking me because they wanted to find out if we published their type of book. And we didn't. But I will answer their question. It was so nice of them to ask and to and to think about asking me um, or asking at Right Integrity. Um, when you are wanting to publish a book, you have to figure out first your genre. If you do not know your genre, let some beta readers read your book and ask them what they think the genre is. Because sometimes we can get too close to the story and we really can't tell what our genre is. I, I remember when I was writing with my very first story, I had that issue and I couldn't tell what my genre is. I thought it was a, I thought it was a mystery. Well, that's because, you know, I grew up in the 70s and I read Nancy Drew Mysteries. Well, guess what? Those aren't mysteries or those were mysteries, but my book was not a mystery. It was it had mystery in it, but it was a suspense and I didn't know the difference. And so I actually had to go to school, basically. I had some wonderful critique partners teaching me about the difference between mystery and suspense, which is a whole other, whole other radio program we're not going to go into. So the first thing you want to do is find out your genre. And once you know your genre, then you can go in and start looking at different um, publishing companies. I suggest, I really strongly suggest that you go ahead and invest. It's about 16 bucks. Invest in the book. Um, wait, it is um, Marketplace, Writer's Marketplace. Yes. They have a marketplace for Christian writers, too. And I think Steve Lobby was the, um, was the not author, but compiler for that this year. And so okay. look. I, th I think he was. Lobby is L-A-U-B-E. Um, I think he was. I may be wrong, but um, that would be the first place I'd start. If you're a Christian author and you have a Christian book, fiction or nonfiction, figure out what your genre is. Figure out what your area of expertise would be if it's nonfiction. And I would definitely start with the Christian Writers Marketplace. And I, like I said, I think that's the name of it go to Amazon and use the Christian Writers Marketplace and somewhere it's going to pop up. Uh, use the latest edition. Don't go buy a used one because if you buy a used one, it's last year's companies and last year's companies may not be in business anymore. Some of them are. And if, if you're using last year's, you're going to miss some of the new companies too. And you don't want to miss the news comp new companies as well. Um, also, sometimes companies are going to change what they're looking for. As different companies are sold to other companies, they change what they're looking for and they're no longer interested in this genre. Instead, they're interested in that genre. So you really do want to get the latest. You know, most of the time I'm like, oh, please buy them used because 
you're only going to read them once. In this case, you really need to buy the newest edition. You don't need to waste your time buying a used one. Um, but the good news is, once you figure out some of the places that your novel can go into, then you can keep it, use it all year long, and you may not even need another one because then you'll be getting more and more into the the publishing realm, the industry, and learning enough from the websites of these companies that you've pegged. Now, that's not to mm -hmm. say that this particular book isn't beneficial every year. It is beneficial every year. Again, you're going to be getting the companies that are new. And so if you're still looking for a publisher in 2019, by all means, get a new copy so that you can get the latest information. And yes, Write Integrity Press is in that listing, and you will find us. But one of the best ways to find out what genres, what types of books um, editors are looking for. And if they're even looking for books right now, one of the best ways to find out is to go to their websites. And like I said, our website, Write Integrity Press, and we have a tab at the top that says Submissions. And if you click on that tab, you're going to find generally what we're looking for. And you'll also find links to um, fiction. I don't know if you can hear my dog bark, and I'm sorry, but there's somebody outside, and he has to tell me all about it. Um, <laughs> there, is a, there is a tab for submissions, and if you hover over that, you will see both fiction and nonfiction, and also children's books. And so each of those are separate pages to tell you exactly what we're looking for and what we're not looking for. Um, at Right Integrity Press, our focus is wholesome and clean and uplifting. And so I'm afraid I actually have had some pretty crazy books pitched to me that have nothing to do with wholesome or clean or uplifting. And I will never forget having a, uh, having a proposal emailed to me about the best gambling clubs in Las Vegas. No, I am not lying. I actually had that I actually had that proposal emailed to me. Um and I will tell you this and and this is not to be unkind, but I will tell you this. When I get proposals mailed to me about books that are so clearly not what we publish, I don't even respond. If you're a sincere author, and if you are looking for, sincerely looking for a publisher, and you've done your homework enough to just look at the website that we have busted it to try and put together to give you all the information we could possibly give you. If you're looking at that, oh my gosh, I'm going to pour into you whatever I can, and not just me, but my acquisitions editors as well, will do everything we can to help you along your way if you're interested in being helped along your way. But if you can't give me the time of day to even look at our website and find out that we only publish clean and wholesome books, then we're not going to even answer you and I, I know that sounds oh gosh she's just mean I am I am so mean but I figure if you're not going to give me any time then I don't need to give you any time oh that sounds so awful don't let that be you <laughs> and I and I'm not just talking about me I really am to, and it's not like I said. It's not just me. It's also my acquisitions director. We are my acquisitions editors. We are really generous when it comes to pouring into our authors. Um, yes. Some editors, especially of the bigger companies, are not going to be that generous. So don't be that person that gets stuck with going to the wrong editor with your book. Okay, we're out of time. So say goodbye, Faye. Bye. I see you all in August. All right. 
We're going to be back August 7th at 7 p.m. Central Time. And we're going to be talking on our next bone. We're going to be going into our next bone. Boy, you are going to love it. We're on a downhill slope. And when I get to this part as a rider, I can't type fast enough. So I can't wait to share it with you. You guys are going to have a blast. And in, in between time, if you find something you want to tell us, ask us about, go ahead and write it. Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine. Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.